So I'm talking to Sophie Banks, who's the founder of the Inner Transition, Aspect of Transition, who is uh, about two weeks away from leaving Transition Network. So this felt like a really uh, good opportunity to harvest your thoughts and reflections on this current theme of burnout, Sophie. So thank you very much for making some time. You're welcome. I wondered maybe first if you could tell us if what what for you burnout is. <clears throat> what do we mean when we say burnout? So burnout, I, I think, applies at every level of scale, isn't it? So uh, there's clearly a personal kind of burnout that I've been close to and I know many people that have really got to that place where they've been out of balance or they've been giving so much or working so hard over an extended period that actually their health is very severely compromised by it and and the end point I think it always ends up affecting our our health physically um, but possibly mentally as well so people that are exhausted where their immune systems are trashed um and they're in a very long process of recovery then to come back to full health if they ever do. Uh, so the long-term consequences, I think, is part of the characteristic of burnout. Uh, and I see the same, the same dynamic and the same, um, you know, slightly different experience in groups and in organisations where an organisation exhausts itself or a group comes to a point where they just can't do anything anymore because there's no energy and I think you can see it in our planet you know now we're exhausting and burning out the planet as we take and take and don't give time for the systems to replenish and renew what's going on behind that what's the I know you've done some work on a on a model for helping us to make sense of what happens in burnout I wonder if you could maybe take us through that so I think the first, the first um, sort of primary cause of burnout is that we have a culture that tends to value doing over being, uh, and I think there's really interesting reasons why that is. That's uh, to do with how we are as human beings, and to do with our nervous systems, and what happens when we're stressed and scared. That that there's a very strong fight flight emergency response. You know, so we, when we're under stress and we think we're under threat, we go into a doing mode. Mm. Um, so we have that tendency and I think that tendency always arises uh, and cultures that manage to remain sustainable really um, embody in some bit of their social technology a practice for creating balance so if you look at cultures that have things like the medicine wheel half the wheel is about action and half of it is about you know, the move to stillness, the dream, the winter, the reflection, the deep dreaming, um, and so on. And we've lost those technologies. You know, I'm sure we had them once um, in whatever uh, country we're in. And, you know, obviously there are some people that still have those, um, which tend to be the ones that are living more sustainably. So that's the kind of prime dynamic, is that we have a culture that tends to overvalue doing. It's connected with an overvaluing of outer and materialism. Um, and then the question is, you know, is there a mechanism, is there some, something that stops that tendency from running the whole system into exhaustion? So the model that I talk about um, when I'm working with groups is, that, is a kind of three-stage model, and, and most groups start off in a place of health, you know, more or less health. They've got energy, they've got resources, they've got a sense of shared purpose, you know, they're working well enough to do things. But if they don't 
um, have a space somewhere where they reflect. So this is the really key. Stage two is you've been going a while. What are you doing now? Um, are you just going to go on with a task list and uh, keep doing and we haven't got time to stop and uh, check in with each other? So this stage two is the really critical stage. And, and the aspects of it is, first of all, we need space to listen. So think of ourselves as a system where what's the feedback from our system? And the questions are things like, how am I doing? How are we doing? Um, are we giving more than we're taking? How sustainable do we feel in the long term as well as the short term? Um, is our working practice really suited to who we are? Uh, do people feel included? Do we have a way of bringing in new people? You know, are there ways for us to keep replenishing our energy supply? So that's the first question. And the second question is, if not, and for many groups the answer will be, well, maybe we're doing okay, but there's definitely improvement. You know, um, how do we make meaning of it? So some people are tired. We don't seem to be attracting new members. Uh, you know, why is that? So the second question is the sort of why. Why is it like that? And then the third part is, how can we address it? So, you know, do we have the, school, the, the tools or the skills? You know, and usually just by opening up the space to inquire, you know, groups will find their way to some things they can try at least. And it may just be that we need to do less. Um, so we've got, you know, space for feedback, making meaning of what's happening. Um, have we got the tools? And then the last thing is, you know, do we really have the commitment, the capacity to put a change into place? So, you know, one one good way is to structure things into the meeting plan. So every meeting starts with a check-in, how are we? Uh, you know, every meeting ends with a reflection, was that a good meeting? And if not, you know, what could we do better next time? So there's built into the structure of how we work are these practices of reflection and improvement um, and, and just noticing when things are not going well. Uh, so, and, and if a group puts that, it's like this is your sort of safety mechanism. You know, I, I was an engineer once and this is just a, a feedback loop and a negative feedback. So when we're getting a symptom that we don't want, we do something that reduces the symptom. Um, and when you describe it like that, it's really, really obvious and it's so interesting how many groups don't do that, don't mm. put those things in place. And mm. I think it's because it's really countercultural. Uh, you know, our mainstream, our, our sort of wider culture doesn't encourage that kind of space for reflection and inquiry. So that's stage two. And in stage two, that basically there's a choice, you know, whether it feels like a choice or not. You know, you either notice these things and respond or you don't, you know. And if you don't... The, the kind of default culture will keep going. And in the culture we're in, that's very likely to be one that encourages people to give mm -hmm. more than they can do sustainably and do more and focus on the doing and overvalue that. Uh, and, you know, and many groups end up with then much stronger symptoms. The symptom will grow and it will end up either as depletion and exhaustion or, for instance, conflict, which mm -hmm. can be how that kind of... I'm stressed, but I don't know how to cope with my stress, you know, but I'm irritated or, and I'm going to see it as it's because you're doing something. So I'm going to have a go at you about it or, you know, I, I don't know. There's no good way to express my frustration, but something's wrong. So, you know, those I think are the two main symptoms are conflict and, mm -hmm. and tiredness. And can you, is there a, an example of, of burnout in your own life that, that you would like to share or that is instructive? Mm. 
I'd like to give two examples actually and, and you know I'd like to talk about Transition Town Top Ness where I think we did a really good job with issues around energy and burnout um, and I remember that second meeting uh, the second core group meeting so it was really in the early days you know you'd been you and Resh had been doing all of those launch events and the open spaces and you'd seeded groups and some of the groups had come around spontaneously and you know you called that first meeting in February 2007 uh and I remember talking with Hillary. We were we were the two heart and soul kind of um, Hillary Prentice founders, and it was probably her idea. But we decided at the next meeting we were going to do a check in around energy levels. So at our second meeting, I, I think it's really interesting. And I mm. did once look back at the minutes, and there it is. We had a go round about what are you giving, what are you getting from being part of this project, and how sustainable are you for the I next remember, yeah. one, three, or six months. And you know there were six or seven of us each. Um, vocalising a group you know a new that was putting on lots and lots of events and everybody said they thought they could probably last six months but not longer <laughs> everybody yeah, we yeah. were all so excited and wanted to give so much and I remember at that meeting you know we went through that thing so what, what are we going to do about this you know this clearly isn't sustainable in mm. the long term and we said either we have to get paid support or we have to really scale back what we're doing mm. um, and we said well let's try the first option and if we can't we'll have to think about the second yeah. and within a couple of months you know you'd manage to find some funding to get a paid admin mm. support mm. person coordinator so for me that's a really good story of a group doing a really good job um, and, you know, I think it's interesting. A year later, we set up the mentoring project to give one-to-one support for mm, mm. the sort of personal aspect of how are you doing and, and reflection. And I think it's, you know, I, I know there's people that have been tired in the Totnes project, but as a project, it's had very little real mm, burnout. Mm. So that's a good story. And, and then the other story, you know, which is, I think it still is a good story, is what's happened in Transition Network. So um, I came into Transition Network uh, I, I started attending board meetings about a year after it set up, I think. Um, Nuresh and I had started to do the training. And I was really um, struck by the way the board meetings went, which was a huge agenda that Peter used to navigate us through with unbelievable kind of skill and energy. Uh, but there was no... I didn't see any reflection on... Are we doing the right things? Mm. You know, are these the are these our strategic priorities for supporting a growing movement? There was no. How is everybody doing? Uh, you know, there was no reflection on the meeting process itself. Are these meetings the meetings we should be having? Do we have the right skill set in this organisation? And you know, some of that maybe had happened before, um, but it felt like a very strong culture of valuing the doing aspect of transition. Mm. Um, and we, you know, we did bring in some things. So we did bring in away days, probably came about a year later, that I think really helped to make more of a reflective space. Um, but I still think there was a very strong culture of doing, and it ended up as a, I think, it ended up showing as a conflict. Um, you know, that, that I think, you know, I think it was a systemic conflict, but it kind of came in the field between me and Peter, um, and we had to get outside facilitation for that. And somebody helped us to listen enough to each other to understand mm. more deeply what was going on. Um, and the organisation really paid attention to the meaning of that conflict. So I remember sitting in the away days and people saying, you know, this is really important um, that a leading woman and a leading man, you know, are, are not 
are in a conflict with each other and we really need to pay attention. And, and after that, we set up a day to look at balance within the organisation. And we had a day mm, where we just mm. looked at the balance of being and doing, seeing that Peter and I were kind of holding those qualities in the system. Um, and out of that came more things like the, the, that we alternate the being and doing meetings. So that was a, a much longer process, you know, to get to that space where, where we um, came out of the, out of the dynamic. Uh, yeah, so those are, those are two examples. And, you know, in both of those, eventually the sort of corrective loop worked. Um, and, I've, and I've met many people and I've seen many groups where the, the corrective loop hasn't worked and people with long-term, like I said, long-term health problems from burnout in transition and in, you know, and in many, many other movements for positive change and what a paradox that is. Um, and I've heard people on training say who've been in the environmental movement for 30 and 40 years have said burnout is the dirty secret of the environmental movement, you know, that people mm. used to burn out in those organisations of a kind of relentless work schedule and culture and they would just disappear and nobody would even ask it about them. Mm. They would just disappear from sight. Um, and how, how upsetting that is that these very dedicated mm. people just would, would, you know, sink and not be seen again and be left on their own to deal with the consequences of that. One of the things that's central to both of those stories is the person, yourself and or Hillary, who are the people who say, I think we need to look at this in a bit of a different way or you know, to be the person who points out the elephant in the corner or whatever. And there'll be people listening to this, I'm sure, who are in groups who, who recognise the same things that you're talking about, the same symptoms you talked about. What, are the, what advice would you give to people in that position to be the kind of burnout whistleblower or whatever, however you want to name, you know, the person who names it? What, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting in the second story that actually I don't think it was me. I think it was the group that said, this is important, we need to pay attention to it. Um, and, you know, there, must, there, there would have been individuals who spoke that first, but there was a, you know, it was the group actually seeing the dynamic. So, so I was in the other role, actually. I felt, you know, really in the conflict and not able to say, hold on. So... The, the thing that I, I think it's really tricky if you have a culture that is not to do that. And, you know, I mean, I've met many people that have tried to put a check in at the start of a meeting where people go, you know, oh, that's too touchy feely or it's, you know, why do we need to do that? Or we don't have time. Um, I remember Sharon Astick wrote a piece where she said that yeah. actually she even felt putting chairs in a circle somehow smacked of a cult. Yeah, that's right. So, isn't it? There are, there are. There are extraordinary levels of defence against very simple pieces of good human technology in our mm. culture. And that's the landscape that we're in. And I think one of the things is to have the confidence to put on how do we work as a group, as an agenda item. Yeah. You know, that people feel confident to put all kinds of other things on that are about tasks. But actually to say, I want this group to spend 20 minutes reflecting on how we want to work as a group. And to start opening that up as a normal topic of conversation 
in a in a group you know do we want this and, and and one of the frames that i sometimes use is do we want this to be a group that cares about people and if so we need to know how each each other is mm. because how can i care about you if i just don't know if you're okay or not yeah. and isn't it and and i like that kind of parallel that if you meet someone in the street you know, you wouldn't just go, well, what are you doing? And how are you getting on with it? And, you know, <laughs> have you ticked off? And where are you on your to-do list? You know, you'd, the first thing you say is, how are you? Yeah. And, you know, you may or may not want the long of, or the short version of that. <laughs> but, you know, that's how we greet each other because, it, and it puts us in a frame of caring. Mm. So so I think, I think if we can, you know, if we can root it in that frame of this is a place where we're all about caring in transition. We care for the planet, we care for our communities, you know, our work in transition is an embodiment of that. And actually we need to bring that right into this group where we care about each other. Mm. And, and we know and we understand the principle that when we have, you know, connected, trust, trusting relationships, actually that's when we get a group that can really do wonderful things. So there's not a competition between the time we spend staying sustainable, welcoming new people, you know, and, and getting on with the doing, that they absolutely complement each other. Uh, and I, and I, I do think, isn't it, that there is just a frame, it's like there's a frame inside us that goes, that, that, that has this strange belief that spending time on our relationship somehow is a waste of time. And as soon as we shine a spotlight on that, in transition, it sounds really weird, yeah. isn't it? But, but we just have to draw attention to it in a way that's that doesn't trigger too much of a defence, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think, you know, how people stand for that, so how you stand for, this is what I see, this is my agenda item, this is what I want the group to pay attention to, and you do that with a kind of gentle confidence, not with an aggressive... This group's terrible, and <laughs> all shit. but to do it with kindness, bringing the qualities that you really want the group to have, uh, it makes it easier for people to relax into that conversation mm. if it's a stretch for them. But I think as soon as we're outside our organisational frame into reminding ourselves how we are with our friends, that really helps people to find the part of them that find it completely normal yeah, to check yeah, how they're yeah. doing. And. For you, what would um, you use the word technology quite a few like sort of social technology or group technology? If we think of um, you know, transition as being a, a social technology and a set of tools and resources and things, what would what would that technology look like, or what would need to be different about it so that it were designed from the outset <coughs> so the burnout didn't happen? Is it possible that we could that we could design a movement which, in its very design, designed out burnout? What would that look like? And is this is the first organisation that you ever come across that's asked, actually asked that question. I'm sure not, but it's, I've never encountered it anywhere else before. I think. Um, I think. I think the powerful question is, uh, is in any movement or in any organisation, what's the shadow for us? You know, what's the thing that we create unconsciously that's destructive or harmful and how are we like the thing we're trying to change? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, someone who's... One of my teachers once said to me, 
you know, one way to inquire into that is to look at your aspirations as an organisation, what's your mission, and imagine the opposite of that, and then ask the question, how are we doing that? Mm. So if transition's all about inclusion, where are we exclusive? And, you know, it's quite easy to see there are lots and lots of people who don't find a place in transition. Mm. And, you know, if, if we're all about healing a, a culture of manic activity and burning out the planet, where are we creating burnout ourselves? So, so that, I think, is a really powerful question, you know, to, for, for any group or any organisation to ask. Um, I, I think it's really important what the leaders do. And if the leaders um, don't have good practices where they model um, balance themselves, where people see if the leaders are constantly doing and doing and doing and they don't take time out and they don't reflect deeply and they don't get support you know the their groups and will and their move you know will be created in their image very strongly and i think it's difficult as a leader to imagine how much impact you have around that you know um you know and i've i've experienced that you know it's hard for me even to think of myself as a leader because i don't it's not my self image but i see that i've had a lot of impact um and I, think, and I think at those moments when the symptoms are starting to show, the response of the leaders is really critical. That if they pay attention to it and give it value, uh, it, it, it isn't. It's like that's three quarters of the, of the system. But if, they, if they're ignoring it, dismissing it, we haven't got time for it, actually that it's very difficult for people with much less um, power or rank in the group to challenge the culture. And, you know, in some groups there's strong leaders, in other groups leadership's much more shared, so, so that can be very different. But I think there are things, you know, I, I think there are things that, that we can build into how our groups work. Um, and, you know, Nick Osborne's done lots of stuff on effective groups, uh, and and I have a I have this really simple three aspects of group group life you know one of which is task and the other is all the structures that we need the agreements the roles the clarity about our purpose um, and if we don't have those it's you know it's exhausting because nobody we're not on the same page together and the third which is the group that tends to get marginalised the most is about relationships mm. about caring about building trust. Um, about deepening into, you know, I think it's really interesting to ask, you know, what is transition? Why are we so strongly called to it? And you find really, really deep motivations about our love for our children, our profound sense of responsibility for life on earth, you know, the core of who we are as human beings and our identity is, is all woven into why we do transition. And when you open space up to hear each other about that, you know, all of those petty irritations about I always make the tea or whatever it is disappear into the sense of being with human beings that share a deep love of life and um, beauty and this incredible natural world that we all live on and, and hold. So, so that bit about relationships, you know, I think is important and, that, you know, there's some great statistics that help with burnout like groups that spend 25% of their time on process, on you know what, how they work, on the how rather than the what, are the most successful groups in every aspect. They're the most productive groups as well as the most long-lasting. 
Um, and, and another an antidote to burnout is having this culture, you know, that a lot of people hear me talk about, about appreciation and celebration, <clears throat> that if we, if we don't constantly keep reinforcing for ourselves the sense that what we're doing makes a difference, that each person's contribution is valued, you know, that we're grateful for the incredible things that we have in these times. Um, that's also a thing that gradually depletes people, you know, and I think it's interesting to think sometimes people come to groups just to be seen and valued and they'll give a tremendous amount if they get that back you know mm, they've mm. got a lot to give but if you don't appreciate all the work that went into each event then people feel kind of it's a bit miserable and dour, uh, dour yeah so i was recently at this event with vandana shiva where she was talking about exhaustion you know this idea of exhaustion but she was talking about it in terms of resources and soils and i was thinking at the time Everybody I know is just knackered, <laughs> you know, unlike the, the kind of economic growth model of like, more, more grow. And Karine and I went to this thing in Paris where there was this company who were building this tunnel through the Alps. And we were saying, why are you building a tunnel through the Alps? You've already got one. Oh, well, this one's bigger. Why do you need a bigger one? Oh, because it takes an hour off the train journey. And we said, well, surely the whole point of a train journey through the Alps is that it takes as long as possible because <laughs> it's so gorgeous. No, we've got to spend billions of pounds building this tunnel. I wonder for you that that link between uh, burnout and exhaustion at all different levels, you know, what reflections you'd have on that? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, really, I think it's really helpful to see that it's the same dynamic um, and... You know, I think one way of understanding what's happening in these times is that all of the things that we don't want to feel in here, you know, in ourselves, we're putting out there, you know, so, um, you know, we've got an inner sense of depletion and exhaustion. And, you know, I think it's interesting to, to, to have a sense that our, our society starves us of the kind of human contact that actually makes happy, healthy secure connected human beings um, and now we're creating this sense of depletion and you know starvation in other countries and poverty and so on but also we've written it across the planet you know this sense of exhaustion um, and I think isn't it, it's a huge paradox that in a in many movements it's not just in transition and it's more prevalent in some other organizations that are fighting to save the earth from burnout and depletion that actually there's such an intense culture of burnout and depletion amongst the staff mm, and, the, mm. and the people involved um, and and I you know I don't think that's a coincidence um, so yeah I, I think burnout it's not a side issue it's not just this thing on the side we need to uh, deal with in order to get on with the thing that we're about actually I think you can see burnout as the issue and if you you know, if you made that your prime focus as a transition group, that we will not, we will not get to that point of burnout, you'd find out some really interesting things about mm. the culture that you need to make to, for that to happen, and how that is what what we're trying to transition to. It's exactly that. Mm. It's not this thing on the side that gets in the way. Mm. 